This is the Squared Goal Podcast with Mark Morris and Jared Maruyama. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Squared Co. Podcast. Jared, are you awake? I am now, yes. That was a very uh, loud... I I saw you flinch there. I did. It hurt. The The earphones on here. (laughs) Thank you for joining us. I am your host, Mark Morris, and sensitive Jared Maruyama is joining the conversation. That's right. Hello, Jared. Hello, Mark. Uh, We are out of practice on this. I'll say it again. I think this not doing as many episodes... We're a little rusty, and that's never more evident yes. than in this upcoming episode. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're not even giving us a chance. You're just throwing us under immediately. Yes, immediately. <laughs> I mean, they would have figured it out on themselves on their own, they but would. now it's just now I've told we them. have no chance. Right. We have no chance. Now they're going to listen to this, thinking to themselves, he's right, this is terrible. Uh, all right, but before we get into the episode, um, a little squared co business here. Jared, um, we worked with Jared to produce a line of new products. Mm-hmm. Um, there are sticker packs, which is new to um, the Squared Co. shop. Yeah. You were the, actually the very first stickers that we sold. Um, so we, there's sticker packs by Jared. There's new pins and prints. Mm-hmm. All can be found um, in the Squared Co. shop. A lot of it believe it or not, has already sold out. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do have some products still available there. Uh, so if you haven't already, be sure to check that out and see what's left. I do think everything will eventually sell out. Um, just a matter of time, really. Yeah, I think most of the uh, what's left, most of the um, the numbers are pretty low at this point. But go to the website yeah. and check it out. Uh, you can even... Click on the Jared Mariama tab, which I just love, uh, and <laughs> it'll take you to the products and, and everything. So uh, please do check that out. And thank you to everyone who has already purchased stuff. And uh, again, this is a very small uh, setup we have here. And I shouldn't say mm-hmm. we as if that includes me, Mark. Uh, so <laughs> the stuff, we have all the stuff. It's all coming out. If you haven't received it yet, it's on its way. So All the stuffs. Yeah. Um, and for the stuff that already has sold out, I think the majority of the people that were able to pick that up were part of our email list. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're interested in getting a heads up or notifications before everybody on when these releases will be, um, be sure to sign up for the Squared Co. mailing list. We'll let you know ahead of time when all of our future product releases are. So um, go ahead and sign up for our email list. If you go to the Squared Co. website, there is an email tab and it'll take you to the email newsletter sign up. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty ideal if you really are looking to get some of these things. We, we tend to do smaller quantities, at least we did with my merchandise. So mm-hmm. um, by getting that advance notice, it really does give you a, a heads up and uh, sort of early access, I think, to to yeah. uh, the product. The, I mean, so not to bore you if, if you don't care or already are a member of the email list, the way that it, we've structured it at least to this point, and I'll probably continue doing this moving forward. Um, the day before a product release, we will let you know exactly the time and what products will be releasing the following day. Mm-hmm. So for yours, we would send out an email on Monday 
saying that Tuesday, right. these products will be sold at this specific time. Right. So you knew exactly when and what you were or what was going to get released. Which must be quite a challenge for people at work. But hey, there, there you go. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's part of the fun of it. You know, that's probably where I do 90% of my online shopping is at work. That's great. Well, before we actually turn over, the guest today is Kyler Smith. Uh, and that's how you say it, in case you were wondering, if you didn't know. <laughs> I had to check with him to make sure. But I did. we didn't talk about this in the episode. And um, he was your teacher. Is that correct? Yes. So actually, he was my first, like, the, the formal instruction or a formal class. He's the first formal instructor or professor teacher that I that I ever had. So I didn't really put this together until last night when we were when we were past this. You were uh like you said previously an English major, is that correct? Yes. And so what was that was this you just went back to take classes? Yeah, so I went to night I was already working full time at this point. Mm. Um but I it sucks because the end of like the last year that I was in college is when I started to get an interest in art and design. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you know, you've already invested at least three years in school and for something very specific that was not art right. and design. Sure. So it's it wasn't at a like a it wasn't at a point when I could kind of make a turn and adjust to a new major. Mm-hmm. I was pretty much like it would not have made sense to go into art and design. So, anyways, um, after I graduated and started working full time, I started taking night classes and Kyler's was the first um, art class that I took and he was my teacher. And that was just a basic drawing class as we kind of talked about in there. Uh, how how yeah. was he as a teacher? I, you can Now you can trash him because he's not here talking <laughs> with us. <laughs> no, but uh, I'm sure he was a, a cool teacher. But how was the how was the class? Yeah. Um, it, it was probably what you would imagine from a beginning drawing class, a lot of still life. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have preferred to have something a little <laughs> bit more, something that I'm interested in right. drawing. Cause I think all of like our homework is when the opportunity that I had to get a little bit crazier. So yeah. I think one of my pieces for homework was I drew, uh, a Ninja Turtle action figure that I had. And another one was like uh, a He-Man figure. Um, So the homework is when I was able to do something a little bit more fun. Yeah, I would always do that too. And then I'd get in trouble because then, you know, know, they they want you to sort of capture like things that you would in life, right? And so when you do these action figures or toys or things like that, that's already a stylization of life. And then so you're stylizing a stylized thing it depends if the teachers depends. would look in my house or your house they would right. know that that is life for us <laughs> so i did want to ask this too because we didn't talk about it uh, you're doing this creative stuff now but you didn't go to art school you didn't have any formal training how do you feel about art school now do you wish that was something you had done or do you think not necessary i was i really uh, wanted I to do. ask kyler that and i didn't i didn't get a chance to but <laughs> Uh, yeah. So personally for me, that is something I, I don't know if regret is the right word, but I do think that I, I feel like I'm behind a few years because of that. Mm -hmm. Like if I were to have received more formal training, 
Um, I could be a little bit further in my career. You know, I am working in art and design yep. as my full-time job, and I'm doing this stuff with Squared Co. So it's not like it's impossible and you have to absolutely get a degree. Um, but I do I do think there are some things that I could have benefited from definitely had I had gotten a degree in art and or design. Yeah. Did you ever go back for any other classes after that one? Like, have you taken any life drawing classes or things like that? That's something. Um, I've done like, you know, you can go to sessions. Yep. It's not necessarily like a semester class. I've done a few sessions. Um but I just don't have the attention for it. Like <laughs> it's something that you have to do a lot to get kind of good at. Yeah, you de- definitely. It's, I don't know because I know that is really important and everybody should do it. But because what I'm after is so stylized, like, I don't know. It, it It's difficult for, to capture my attention and get me to continue going to, do something like that. Well, I remember when I was starting out and I did this at junior college, I went to junior college first and took some drawing classes and life drawing was of course on there. And, you know, it's always sort of giggly at first cause you've got a naked person standing there and you know, when you're yeah right out of high school, that's kind of <laughs> giggly, but it's amazing how it's such a difficult thing to do to draw uh, from life. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you very quickly forget about that and you're sort of frustrated at at what you're doing. Um, and it's very quick. Like that's what I kind of like about it is that, I mean, you do do longer studies, but, uh, I do like when we started out, we just do these very gestural drawings. Um, I think it's helpful. I think it's something that everyone can do all the time. Like I could probably take a class now and it, you know, and benefit from oh, it. I don't think, I don't think yeah. you get to a point where that's not helpful, but, um, no. yeah. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And I think, um, if I have the opportunity or more time, that is something that I should probably pursue or that, at least do maybe like once a month or something. But That'll never happen. Yeah. You'll never have to. It, it, it'll, it's a nice thought, Jared. Yes, it is. It is. That's why I say <laughs> I think that is why I think college is important. It's that one time in your life that you have Oh yeah, you devote it's, time to it because it'll become impossible. You're, you're forced to do these things, yeah, yeah. and you you're held accountable. Yeah, it, it's it's the only time where that's basically your job mm-hmm. is to do those things. So we've been very lucky with our guests. Everyone has been very nice, and Kyler was no exception. He was extremely humble, like very down to earth guy. Mm-hmm. Given the the crazy success he's had with these art shows that he's done, and we've been very lucky. With the exception of the Clarks, who were just terrible people in real life, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, he was he was great. He was really nice. Was he exactly as he was as a teacher? Uh, yeah. I mean, so we talk about this in the episode, um, but I think a couple weeks in is when I realized that he was like a pop culture artist and at all of these galleries that I really um, was into. Mm-hmm. So at that point, that was kind of what made me take the class even more seriously is because I knew the teacher or the Kyler was he was doing what I wanted to be doing. Mm. So I I at that point made it I, I started taking it a lot more seriously. What made you what made you sign up for that class? Though? Was there one thing that made you say, OK, I'm going to I'm just going to do it or was um, it something you had planned since leaving college the first time? just convenience to be honest i mean i've i'm always i would love to take more classes um online is probably the most convenient for mm-hmm. obvious reasons yeah 
Um, but this one it happened to be a night class and it worked with my schedule at the time. So, yeah. um, yeah, it, it was just coincidence that he happened to be the teacher for this, for this course. Were you at this current job or was it a different job back then? Uh, this was a previous job, previous one of your 150 jobs that you had. Yeah. Okay. This is, this is <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anyway, that's all I got. Um, all right. That's a that's enough intro for I this think so. one. Yeah. Um yeah, there were actually there's a few other things that we probably could have talked to Kyler about. So oh, definitely. Again, just just like all of our guests, we'll have to bring them on for a second uh follow-up. Have we actually done that? I know like with Dave Pryor and Cole, we've brought them back on for a, like a specialized episode. Have we actually ever had a guest just back on for a normal episode? I don't think so. No, no, like, we haven't. Like we've done the movie reviews was kind of the follow up. Yeah. And then the Muppets roundtable. The Muppets roundtable. And then, yeah. We're, then, we're, we're going to, we'll have to try to actually bring back a guest and just have them on for an episode. There you go. And see how that goes. We'll be super lazy and just rehash what we've already done. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. So enough rambling. Like I said, this is um, the episode with Kyler Smith. Um Again, we mentioned this in the show. He does have um, his Trading Cards 3 show at Gallery 1988. We'll leave links to all that in our show notes. So please be sure to check that out. Um, But without further ado, here is the episode with Kyler Smith. Enjoy. Welcome to the Squared Co. Podcast, Mr. Kyler Smith. What's up, Kyler? How you doing, Mark? Thank you so much for joining us today. For those of you that don't know this, Kyler is a he's a pop culture artist that does a lot of work with a, the different pop culture galleries. Um, we'll get into that a little bit later, um, but I think for now, let's go ahead and start with our little game that we've been playing <laughs> right off the bat Jared. with little. Yeah. <laughs> so Kyler, I don't know how many episodes you've heard, but we always ask our uh, guests five questions out of a total of 20 questions that we have listed here. So I'm going to ask you for any random number between one and 20. And uh, that's the question you're going to get. Gotcha. I'll go with five, five. A lot of people start with five. Let's see if you had to pick <laughs> one album to listen to for the rest of your life, what would it be? Ooh, that is a tough one. Usually it I just is. go on shuffle on Pandora. <laughs> uh, I, I really don't have like one specific album. Uh-huh. Uh, I find that having a lot of different genres and styles of music really helps with what I'm working on. Mm-hmm. So I can't really like pinpoint it. Uh, I always get asked this question like with movies or with music and I can never yeah. really narrow it down to just one. Uh, so <laughs> what's, a, what's a genre? I, Give us a genre at least. Oh yeah, sure. So I mean, I, I do a lot of like Hans Zimmer uh, on Pandora when I'm just really so like getting into the zone. Yeah, a lot of soundtracks, uh, especially you, depending on what movie I'm working on or whatever pop culture piece at the time sure, that generally helps sure. kind of get me into the zone. Can you listen to um, podcasts or watch TV or anything like that while you're working, or do you like just music and something that's kind of mindless that doesn't need your attention while you're working? 
Uh, a little half and half. Music and then also, because uh, I have my studio set up in the room, I, I watch a lot of uh, TV shows that I've seen before, so I don't really have to pay too much attention Yes. Uh, yeah. when my wife's in here. So we get a little uh, time together while I'm working, but the TV's usually on most of the time. <laughs> Jared, can you do that? I don't know. I know for me, like I can't have a movie or a TV on. I can kind of do podcasts, but... Um, sometimes mm. after listening to a while for, to an episode for a while, I'll realize that I have no idea what's happening or I'll get the opposite and just way too invested in, uh, what's happening and not be working or be productive. Yeah. I mean, it's like podcasts like ours where it's just a lot of nonsense and you can kind of zone <laughs> out and kind of listen. Those are usually the best, but I find if I try to listen to something like an audio book where I really want to hear the thing, I, I just, you know, don't hear it for big chunks of time. And so it's kind of a waste yeah. of time. So, uh, but TV and stuff, I don't know, same kind of thing. If I know the show really well, but then it's just background noise since I'm not watching the screen. Right. Um, but uh, with Hans Zimmer, do you have a particular soundtrack that you like? Uh, not one in, in particular. Uh, it's pretty much, I just have it on Pandora and I just yeah. have the Hans Zimmer station on and it just kind of goes right. through the whole catalog. There's a lot of, you know, the, the dark Knight and the Batman uh, right. soundtracks are always a favorite of mine. Yeah. Uh, but the whole catalog I'm, I'm a fan of. All right. That's a good one. I listen to a lot of soundtracks. I can't listen to music with words for some reason, it seems so. <laughs> I, I get distracted with that as well. And you know, like with the, with the TV, it has to be something that yeah. either a movie or a show that I've seen before. Otherwise right. I do get distracted. So it's, it is more yeah. background noise on my end. Yeah, totally. I, I do Star Wars music sometimes, but so much of that is like, like action music. It gets me, I find I'm stressed out for no reason. <laughs> oh yeah. There's so much tension in a lot of those. Yeah. Um, those, those tracks. When I'm doing my, my thumbnails and my ideas that, that actually helps out a lot. Yeah. That's when I'm true. on a tight deadline. I could see that. That makes sense. Um, all right, let's go to uh, another, another number. Let's do three. Three. Do you have a pet? There you go. Straight. Yes, forward. I do. What kind of pet do you have? <laughs> I have a, a dog. It's a Shih Tzu Maltese mix. Her name is Bella. Uh, adopted her through marriage. Uh, she is about 13 years old now. Oh, wow. Okay, so pretty old. Yeah. So is that a, that's a little dog then, right? Oh, very, very little. Yeah. Little, dog. <laughs> little loud dog. <laughs> did you grow up with pets, though? Did you have pets growing up? I did. Or, yeah. I, I had a, uh, a rat terrier when I was growing up. Uh, Got her when I was about five years old, and oh. then she lived until uh, I was in college. Wow. Oh, wow. That's great. That's like a real childhood pet then. That's your whole life. Yeah, it is. yeah it, was, it, was, it was a great experience. <laughs> okay. We won't go into a sad story about pets. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's go to another number here. Uh, let's do 10. 10. Uh, do you have or have you ever had a nickname? Uh, I guess it's kind of a nickname. Everybody always called me Kai Man when I was in school. <laughs> So that, that kind of just stuck. Maybe just because they had a hard time pronouncing my name. They just called me Kai Man. <laughs> where, where, you know, your, yeah. your name isn't actually that difficult to say. It's just you might question it's pr like how to pronounce it when you look at it. But it's actually, it is, I mean, it's two syllables. Which I was, have you guys watched Cobra Kai yet? No. No, but I was going to ask you about that. If There's um, a Kyler on Cobra Kai. Really? <laughs> From Seems Irvine. Same spelling? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. No, no. we IMD beat it. Not the same spelling, but oh, okay. it was still fun to hear the name on there. What, where does that name come from, your name? Did, was it a family was, thing or just? 
Nate? It was my dad's, one of my dad's best friends. Oh, okay. Same spelling and everything. So it was, it was quite an honor. And there's quite a few more with the, the same spelling as well. A lot of times you'll see like K-Y-L-E-R, mm-hmm. uh, but I spell mine C-U-Y-L-E-R and it's actually popping up more and more and more. Was that, when you were growing up though, was that difficult? Did you have to constantly explain? Like my name is plain. I just answered a lot to Tyler. Story. If it was yeah, close yeah. enough, you know, you <laughs> yeah. get a lot of that. <laughs> that uh, makes sense. That makes sense. But yeah, I mean, it, it, the spelling throws people off, but once yeah. they once they kind of understand it, it's not that bad. All righty. Um, okay, you got two more here. Two more numbers from you. Let's do nine. Nine. Uh, what's your favorite breakfast cereal? This is a big issue for Mark and I, so it's not a it's not a throwaway question at all. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> uh, it's basically whatever my wife has, but uh, it's between oatmeal squares and then there's a Trader Joe's uh, cereal that has like uh, dried fruit in it. That's pretty good. That's a go to. Uh, and then my kids always have Honey Nut Cheerios, so there's always a little bit of that in the house. That's a very adult answer yeah, right there. Yeah, very the adult. Cereals. Did you have a, a favorite one growing up? There you go. Any oh, Cocoa Krispies. Were, were you ever sure. into like the sugar cereals? Cocoa Krispies. Cocoa Krispies. Okay. <laughs> Not a, um, what's the Flintstones one? I used to get Co- that. Cocoa that, Pebbles. Pebbles. That one too, but you guys remember that old like variety packs that had the small yes. boxes? That yes. I would just take oh, all yeah. those and dump them in a bowl. That was me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We did do a lot of that cereal mixing stuff too. Um, so before you go on to the next one, yeah. Jared, I know that when I was over at your house um, a couple of months ago, yeah. we had our little cereal party. Right. And you, you introduced me to the pink donut cereal. <laughs> so oh. you, you're probably aware of this, Jared, but they have a Captain Crunch sprinkled donut yes, cereal. Yes, they do. Not have as- you tried that one? Not as good. I, I think that. Oh my! I loved it. It's good. I just got a box. Yeah, and it's it's my favorite cereal in the cabinet right now. So we, when you left, you took. I gave you all that cereal because we were going <laughs> to eat half of that. Did you eat all that cereal? Did you try each one? Of oh, those? it's. I've tried every one. I uh-huh. haven't finished. There's still some some left. Did you eat the Oreo? Um, but the Oreo, the Oreo one was real. Was probably my favorite of the ones I left with. Okay. Yeah. Are you disappointed with that? Eh, a little that answer? bit. A little bit. Okay. Well, one more. We got one more. Uh, let's do two. Two. He stayed in the lower half, the lower hemisphere. <laughs> okay. So this is always a, an interesting one and difficult for some people to answer. <laughs> if you could marry or date a celebrity, who would it be? We'll assume that you don't have a wife and kids. Yes. For this <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll edit this answer out so you have one version of this podcast that you can listen to with <laughs> your wife family or share with her. Word, yeah. got you this is where I, I say cut this one out for sure um, <laughs> marry or date sure however you want to do yeah it. phrase it or yeah, yeah 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 it's basically I, like I, a crush or anything <laughs> you know is there is there somebody out there that you yeah the, the, I'd go the anna married kendrick. part oh, okay anna kendrick he said oh anna kendrick <laughs> I thought you said Anakin. So like, okay. you a big uh, Twilight fan? Is that what did it uh, for you? No, uh, <laughs> not at all. Pitch Perfect. Pitch Perfect. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Uh, the first one wasn't too bad. <laughs> I watched that a lot with the wife. She'd be okay <laughs> with that answer. Okay, there you go. That's a good, good, safe answer. Okay, that was our that was our five questions, Mark. We got through that actually surprisingly fast. I think we talked more uh, than Kyler did for those. So. <laughs> <laughs> So I will let you take it away. <clears throat> All right. So I kind of mentioned this earlier on, but um, Kyler's a, an art teacher, and that's actually how we met. 
Um, I don't know how this came up though, but I remember in one of the classes, I found out that you were into pop culture or like did pop culture art. Um, I don't know if like randomly you came up on a suggested IG thing. Um, but yeah, somehow that happened and immediately I became way more interested in this class because of that. Uh, I, I actually remember that night. <laughs> yeah, I think like we actually, I ended up staying, you know, 15 minutes after class, just nerding out on pop culture art. Um, Creeper. Yeah. We, we had a common love for Mondo. Um, and yeah, so that was, that's kind of the background of our relationship and how that started. Can I ask um, when, w- how long ago was this? What are we, what are we looking at? Is here? that four years, Mark? Three and a yes. half, four years? Yeah, I got it. I think it's four years. Are you still doing the same classes? You still offer those? I, I am. I, I will be there tomorrow night. <laughs> same class, same time. Same so room. I, this, this is more embarrassing on my, on my part. I had a great time in the class. So I signed up for your advanced drawing and I think I made it to the first class, and then I just never went back um, <laughs> to finish that class. Yeah, kind of disappeared. <laughs> and <Why>? then, <laughs> what happened? Why did you? Was it too um, hard? I could take no, a guess, but well, oh, before I answer, let's hear your guess. No, no I just it should kidding. be more entertaining because <laughs> <laughs> you actually had to draw, right? So then you probably just yeah. He actually made me do things, so mm. it was disappointing or too hard for me. Um, no, I think at the time it was just the job. It's mm. difficult when you're working full time to commit to a class. And I didn't want to go to the class and not know or knowing that I wouldn't be able to commit for the full semester going every single time. So, Kyler, for those of us, the rest of us, what classes do you teach? Uh, I teach a, a, a plethora, actually. Okay. Uh, beginning drawing is a, is a staple. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have that one. I teach several figure drawing classes uh, oh, with wow. different uh Different focuses. I teach a figure drawing for animation class, a figures in context class. Uh, I teach a 2D design class. Uh, let's see, what else do I have this semester? And then I also do a visual development class. Oh, cool. And then I've done illustration classes in the past. Yeah. And it's just kind of back and forth. But the the general ones that I have every semester are beginning drawing, 2D design, uh, multiple sections of the, the figure drawing classes. So uh, these tend to be... Uh, younger kids, I assume, with some of these, like with the beginning drawing class and things like that, or do you get a mix at the, the school that you're at? It is a mix. Uh, you get you get a lot of the the 18 to 21 year olds, mm-hmm. uh, but then I also get you know I don't know how old some of them might be, but definitely uh, adults. Right, right. <laughs> Late life, <laughs> back yes. to school. So, are are there some? I mean, I I went to art school, so uh, at San Jose State, so I. I it brings back a lot of bad memories for me talking to you. <laughs> but, but do you see a lot of common uh, problems with these kids that are coming in at the beginning drawing level? I do. And I, one of the things that I really try to pride myself on is I always had questions that a lot of times I never got answers to, especially in those beginning classes. Sure. And I like to approach it in a way that they will feel more and more confident in their own ability and showing them how to visualize things in a simple form mm-hmm. and how they can just take simple basic shapes and they can take that idea and build whatever they can possibly imagine, whether it's a figure, a car, an environment, characters that they want to build up. And it's just trying to find a way to build up that inner confidence in them to where they can actually understand how to approach something that they otherwise might think is too difficult to draw. Mm -hmm. So I just like to give them the tools necessary. And then of course, some take that and they go uh, as far as they can. And then others just take the one drawing class for the elective and have fun with it. But it's fun to see how far 
you know, in a, in a few short weeks, how you can actually uh, take somebody that has no drawing experience or a little drawing experience or a lot of drawing experience and see the growth that they can have mm-hmm. over the semester. That is a, that is a fantastic answer. Um, <laughs> so with the beginning class, that seems like kind of uh, a little bit lighter, right? Like you're not going to crush their soul just yet. <laughs> As you get into I, the- I don't know, Mark, am I a mean teacher? <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Um, I actually, what I got most out of your class was the confidence boost. Um, I mean, I'm not definitely not, uh, I don't think of myself as a very accomplished, um, or even talented artist at this stage. Hmm. Um, but I definitely have a lot more confidence from the beginning of your class towards the end of the semester. You had a great portfolio at the end too. Thank you. I actually was going to, I still have the, the, um, we, we drew and sketched on these like giant pads um, I have all the work upstairs. I was going to bring it and show Jared, <laughs> but I decided against it oh. because I don't want to embarrass myself. Oh, you should have. <laughs> I would love for you to embarrass yourself, but <laughs> uh, I know you would. Next so, time. <laughs> how I, I want to ask Kyler about this, because this was always, uh, I think, what a lot of people think of with art school or classes. Then on the more advanced classes, when you when you get to the point where you're actually teaching these kids real like you're getting them ready to to be mm-hmm. artists out in the world how do you handle critiques because that is notoriously the the most difficult part how do you handle uh, is it do you, do you kind of just leave it up to the students to sort of tear each other apart do you do you sort of navigate that how do you handle critiques when you're in your i, more, I uh, do navigate it and I, I i do have different approaches for the different classes depending on mm-hmm. what projects we're working on yeah. but my main staple is is to be honest and to be upfront. I mean, there's always something that can be improved upon, even if somebody uh, is a little bit more well-versed in the arts, there's always something that can be improved upon. So they know that coming up front that they're going to get feedback from me that they can take and learn how to improve on the next one. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then I'm also going to tell them things that are working really well and the accomplishments that they did. And that's one of the main things that, you know, even helps me on my end is, you know, as soon as you finish a piece, even though. Uh, you might not be happy with it. There's things that you can still take away from that and move on to the next one. And that's how you get better and better and better as an artist. Uh, so I'm always as upfront and honest as possible. And I let them know what's working, what isn't working, what can be improved and what they did well. Mm-hmm. Did you remember critiques, Mark? Uh, I mean, I think because it was such a, like it was a beginner's class. They weren't, I don't remember them being devastating. It was very positive and, I think everyone that I received, it wasn't like, oh my God, what are you talking about? This is beautiful. I <laughs> would take it and look at it and be like, oh yeah, I probably should have done that. Or he's right. This yeah. would have made it a lot better. But yeah, I definitely can see how that can be uh, disheartening, I guess, is the the light way to say it. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, it, I think it depends. Like, I think the teacher sets the tone. That's why I was always so exactly. curious as to, as to how to how he handles that. Um, so... Why? What made you want to go into teaching? Like I, I see on your website, on your bio, that you uh, went to school originally for animation, um, mm-hmm. and then so I guess we could talk a little bit about that. Like what? What did you go into animation to do? Was this traditional animation or? or uh, At the time, yes, it was traditional animation. So um, I grew up in Texas, and I always, you know, was a huge fan of not only animation but just movies. Mm-hmm. So it was always kind of uh, an in between, like animation illustration. Uh, technique that I was always influenced by. So I, uh, I knew I wanted to come to California cause that's where the entertainment industry was. There wasn't a, a huge art community at the time. Uh, yeah. 
where I was at. So I, I, I moved out here at a young age, like right when I had turned 18, and I went to uh, Laguna College of Art and Design. Uh, it was under a different name at that time, and it changed halfway through. Uh, but it was at the very beginning stages of their animation program. Uh-huh. And one of the things I really enjoyed about it was the the lower, uh, the small class sizes really got uh, gave me the chance to get to know my instructors. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the instructors that I actually had at school are my coworkers uh, that oh. I teach at at all these schools now. So uh, it's kind of fun to see that evolve. Um, mm-hmm. But what I was really in- enjoyed was the instructors that were able to have a family do their art, have a nice career, provide for their family. Uh, and one of the things that I was always intimidated with uh, with the animation industry is job security. Mm-hmm. So when I got out of there, I did a lot of storyboarding and, and freelance work, which was, uh, you know, I enjoyed it, but it was never steady enough for what I wanted to do in my goals. Uh, so I went back to get my master's and I went to Cal State Fullerton and I wanted to have more of an illustration focus to go with my animation background because mm-hmm. I, I felt that the, the drawing ability that I was able to achieve was, was great, but I also wanted to couple that with a little bit more of the digital media, which blew up during the time that I was there. Uh, and I really wanted to take advantage of that. So I went back uh, and got my master's at Cal State Fullerton with a, with a focus in illustration. And that's when I started uh, working with digital painting. Um, and then how that evolved in the, in the teaching is when I was in the grad program, based off the portfolio and uh, what I've done previously, they, they asked me to, to go ahead and start teaching some classes as part of their program. So I started teaching mm-hmm. figure drawing classes and beginning drawing classes uh, while I was still going through grad school, uh, which was an extremely great experience for me. But it also allows you to get your feet wet a little bit. Sure. Um, in terms of how to work with critiques and how to uh, get the best work out of your students possible yeah. uh, and find ways to you know spark that creativity in each and every one of them because everybody learns differently sure. so you kind of mm-hmm. have to have like a plethora of techniques and approaches to get you to the same point for the class uh, for what's required uh, but being able to do that really helped out because right when I got out of grad school I just started to get more and more contacts at different schools and it kind of just happened which mm-hmm. was great and it's been steady ever since um, and then one of the things that I really enjoy is I really try to keep the the freelance and the gallery work on the side, but that's just enabled me to have, you know, the kind of life that I would like, you know, and enjoy mm. with my family. Yeah, sure. Because it is, it's a difficult balance. I'm sure many other artists can, uh, yeah. can verify, you know, yeah. how tough it is to, to balance family, work, freelance and, and tie it all in. But uh, it's working out so far. Uh, so I want to go back a little bit to, to the animation thing. Was there something in particular that you saw or a TV show or that made you want to go into the field? Or did you just think this would be a good job to have? Uh, it was always the, the Disney movies. Oh, uh, it, was. Okay. It, it was more of, you know, the drawings behind the scenes. I enjoyed animation, mm-hmm. uh, but it was more about the way that animators drew. Yeah. Uh, the, the technical precision and how they were able to do it so quickly. How are they able to do it out of their head? Uh, to create these worlds and these characters and make them come to life. Just that traditional background. And I, I think, you know, especially studying that at an early age definitely sure. helped me out. So I'm a Disney guy, so I kind of have to ask, do you have a favorite movie, whether that was different when you were little and, and changed as you, you know, grew up and kind of have a different appreciation for the medium? Uh, it was actually Mary Poppins, uh, that one scene uh, <laughs> when I was smaller that really got me into it just like, wow, how could this even be drawn? Like, because it looks so lifelike and you're kind of immersed into that world. Uh, <laughs> so Mary Poppins for sure. Uh, and then what really kind of uh, 
changed it for me later on was Tarzan because uh, mm-hmm. that came out like right when I got into school. Um, mm. And it was it was really fun because we actually had the the model that posed for Tarzan for Glenn Keane uh, oh, came into school, cool. and we got to uh, we got to sketch that exact same model for the that worked on the Tarzan movie, which was great. Oh wow, that's crazy! Yeah, so that is you brought cool. up Mary Poppins. I got to ask what you feel about or how you feel about them bringing it back uh, <laughs> so many years later with a different actress uh is this like blasphemy for you or are you excited to see it uh i'm always timid of course because they always <laughs> in this day and age of, of remakes and redos uh it's hard to surpass the original uh i do like emily blunt mm-hmm. uh i'm curious i'm, I'm anxious to see what <laughs> they do with it uh my wife is a, a huge mary poppins fan as uh. well so we're, we're both very interested to see how it comes out but i it's, hope it's good it's interesting. I think it's interesting that they decided to make it. It is a true sequel instead of a reboot. A reboot, yes. I, re- I like, like that. redoing it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I'm excited too. Jared, do you have any thoughts on it? Uh, yeah, I mean, they, I think it's they haven't fun. showed like, too much. It's inevitable, yet. right? We're going to probably it go is. right down the line and either do live action versions of all of these or, or a remake. <laughs> Most of, of them are sort. in the pipeline. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's kind of like. Uh, you surrender and just hope for the best. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, because like the Jungle Book one, I was sort of like, you know, like I, I, I didn't hate it or anything, but I was, it felt kind of pointless in the end. So that tends to be how I go with, with a lot of these. Um, so Kyler, do you keep up with animation still? Do you go see everything? Uh, I, I do see most of them. I, I would like to see more of them in the theater. Uh, yeah. But obviously with, with young kids, I have a six-year-old and a three-year-old. We, we see quite a bit of uh, the animated <laughs> films. So. Yeah, you can, do, you, uh, do you have the opportunity to see um, any movies in theaters? Have you seen all the Marvels and yes, the new Avengers? That, that, those, those are the movies uh, that I actually do get to go to in the theater. It is tough when you have kids to, to, to find sitters, but my wife and I are, are huge fans of the – the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and we have seen all of them in the theater. Uh, so those are the ones that we go to. Okay, so do you guys awesome. want to go off on uh, the Avengers? Well, I want so Jer- <laughs> Jared, have you even seen the Avengers yet? No, I didn't. Are you going to see it in theaters? No, or? no, no, no. I probably will not. I'll you're lie. Go- and say you're yes, going to I see am. it at some point. I know you will. Yes, uh, you yes. have to. I've I've so, got all the spoilers anyway. already, so I it's nothing. Don't hold back. <laughs> <laughs> so because I haven't had the opportunity to talk to anybody yes. about this on the show. Kyler, you're going to be the one that I hashed this out with. So gotcha. what, what were your thoughts on this? So for, I mean, let, I'll give you a little bit of my answer before, and you can kind of think about how you want to approach this. Sure. I think, and I said this a little bit to you, Jared, in our last record, sure. um, the fact that they had, they built this whole thing up over the past 10 years this um, Avengers Infinity War, like it would not exist had they not done all of these movies for 10 years. So that fact alone is just, it's amazing, super overwhelming. And like, I'm very impressed that they were able to do it so well and so calculated so many years ago. Um, but having said that, the movie itself, um, I don't know if I want to say I was let down, but it was it wasn't as big and exciting and good as all of the hype, I think, that was surrounding this movie. 
I, I think the hype is really hard to live up, mm-hmm. yeah. especially with this because it has been 10 years in the making. I enjoyed the movie. I think the one thing that's tough is because it is a two-parter and we've only gotten the first half and they have to end yeah. on a cliffhanger. But knowing what the, the cliffhanger is and knowing what's in the pipeline and what movies are coming down the way, mm-hmm. You, mm-hmm. you can start to theorize and think about how they're going to work their way through that cliffhanger without giving any spoilers away. Um, so, oh, feel free to do spoilers. We spoiled it on the We're, last one. It we, doesn't matter. We spoil oh. everything here. <laughs> so, I mean, for me, I, I enjoy the movie. Uh, it is tough to live up to it, but with the amount of characters uh, and, and plot lines that they have to get to, I mean, I got to hand it up to the hand it up to the Russo brothers for just finding a way to have every character kind of have their shining their moments. moments. Yeah, because uh, that's that's a tough feat to do. I was a little let down, but I, I, I'd have to watch it a second time. <laughs> yeah, you know, I actually, I think I, I'll have to catch a, another viewing. I just saw it once, but the biggest like issue I had is there's, and you know, this people could argue that this is a good thing, but they had so many different plot lines that it was difficult to get really invested in any of them. But it, for me, it did feel like a comic book movie. Oh, yes. Because, you know, if you read comics, there's always so many different things happening and you get to see so many character perspectives. It did feel like a true comic book movie brought to life. But because of that, again, it's like you didn't get too invested in any of the individual storylines. True. And, and I think like having uh, the 10 years to build off of helped that. Mm-hmm. So like being a fan of, the cinematic universe and, you know, watching all the the teasers and the post-credit scenes and seeing how they were kind of interweaving everything to lead to it. I kind yeah. of view it as one big saga and mm-hmm. we're still kind of left on that cliffhanger, but just the sheer fact that they've been able to do this and the fact that my wife knows who all these characters are, all of our <laughs> friends know who all these characters are and they didn't grow up on comics and they're just as into it as I am. And the fact that I really enjoyed too is like after the movie, with people that have seen it, you keep thinking about it over and over and over and over. And I haven't really had that experience at least for a while in the cinema to where I keep thinking about it days after and like keep finding out little morsels like, Oh yeah, this happened. And Oh, this person's there and that person's here. How is it all going to tie together? So it stayed with me longer than I was expecting. Did you, so last question here, maybe not last question, but Probably we'll, see. We'll, see, we'll see the response. <laughs> Do you have a favorite Okay, this is a two-parter. Do you have yes. a favorite character and movie? Are they different or the same? For the past, all of the Marvel movies in the, the past 10 The years. one that, that stands out to me that I always go back to probably more than the others. Winter uh, Soldier. Yes. <laughs> Captain America, Winter Soldier. And then yeah. right behind that, I was a huge fan of Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. I thought what Tiger Waikiki did with that That's me. That, those are my two top ones. I think... Um, so I obviously like I've read comics um, growing up all through high school and I'm pretty familiar with the Marvel universe in the comic book world, but I was never really a Thor fan. And the first two movies weren't that good, but Thor Ragnarok, I loved and I love how they made Thor. They gave him more humor and I think it really works for that character. Um, I don't know why it took him so long to do that. I'm but so Thor, glad they made that change. Yeah, Thor Ragnarok was great. I think it was actually thinking <laughs> about it now. It probably was because of the success of Guardians, both um, the Guardians movies because those were so popular. They kind of 
kind of made a turn or a shift with Thor Ragnarok to have that type of humor and that like crazy cosmic, um, I don't know, storylines. Mm-hmm. But uh, And yeah, I think I read it, somewhere too with Tiger Wakiti, he wanted to do more improv. And since uh, Chris Hemsworth was doing a lot more of those comedic uh, films uh, recently, it was a lot more of uh, his own personal character and characteristics coming out, which I think worked out better because I think showcasing that is what really made Thor kind of come alive mm-hmm. because I thought he was a little stale before too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, definitely. especially anything on the Thor planet, whatever it is, I don't know where he's from. Uh, it's, it always <laughs> came kind of loopy. Like that second film, I'm like, this is goofy. I, I, <laughs> I could not get into the second film. So I, I still have yet to see Ragnarok, but um it's Asgard, Jerry. Okay. He's from Asgard. Yes, there you go. That's fun. Which brings us, of course, to Justice League. Now, no, I'm kidding. We won't. We won't, <laughs> we won't talk. I, about I made that. the mistake of finally watching that. Yeah. Uh, last oh, week, Jared made the same mistake. I did too. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm a cinephile, and I'll see almost any movie That's in true. theaters. Literally, yeah. So I I did see that in theaters, but yeah, I was. What was the reaction movie. like in the theater? Uh, stunned silence. <laughs> I think I waited a couple of weeks, so it wasn't like I didn't go opening weeks. So there wasn't a big crowd, uh, and I think the crowds died pretty quick for that movie. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't much of a crowd to have a reaction when I saw yes. it. Uh, well, I, probably as it should. You got to give it to DC for really sticking to their guns. <laughs> Everybody hates these movies, and they're not budging. They're going to do the same overly special effects films over and over again. Other than Wonder yeah. Woman, I did like Wonder Woman, but um, yeah, that one. I did like Wonder weird. Woman up to like the the last act, where they brought yeah, in all the, the DC's normal stuff. stuff. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Anyway, okay. So why don't we? Uh, should we talk about the show? Since sure. we're, yeah. we're in the okay, pop so culture bef- realm here already. Before we jump in there, I d- I want to say that um, you've done a few solo shows before, um, and the very first one you did. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it was the one at Bottleneck. Mm-hmm. It, um, cut shorts is that yes. what it's called or cut short and then it, for those of you that don't know Kyler has a show um, trading cards volume three coming out at gallery 1988 we'll talk more about that in a second but what I like about all of your solo shows um, and something that I try and do when we have a squared co show is it has a very unique theme and take on pop culture you can do a Star Wars show or a sp- like a particular movie art show and we've seen it you know get totally overdone and overplayed but what you do is take a very unique take on pop culture and kind of filter it through your lens to produce a really cool show so cut short for those of you that don't know was at um bottleneck gallery in new york and it was very similar to jason edmonston his eyes without a face show but correct me if i'm wrong again your show was before Eyes Without a Face. Uh, it was. I'm a huge Jason Emerson fan to, uh, to begin with. He's just amazing. And I always try to take inspiration uh, from artists like Jason whenever I can. And that was actually, it was before. And a lot of uh, fans of both of ours have taken some of my pieces and then put his Eyes Without the a eyes, Face on oh, top. Oh, that's, that's great. <laughs> yeah. It'd be fun to team up on one at some point. Uh, but yeah, you actually, a good guy. We've, we've traded art uh, before and I'm, I'm yeah, that was fan. my next question. I think I remember seeing a post from either either one of you or maybe even both of you about an art trade. Yeah, I mean, he's he's really, really nice. I mean, we've just uh, through social media, you know, it's, it's great to catch up with with other uh, fellow artists. Uh, mm. And it just happened on a whim. I had 
I did a, a promotional piece for The Last of Us for Sony and uh, Naughty Dog, and he was a fan of that, so I had a, a few extra artist copies, and he asked for one, and then I got one of his Texas Chainsaw Massacre screen prints uh, that's right next to Very my cool. uh, my setup here next to my desk, just for constant inspiration. <laughs> that's awesome. How long ago was that first show, the bottleneck show? Oh, I believe I'd have to look at the calendar, but I think that was 2014. 14? That was your first solo show? That was my first solo show. Uh, that was all traditional. So I, I did, uh, and they were small. They were all like five by sevens. Oh, um, okay. But they gave me uh, advance notice. So I, I had worked for months and months on end, and I did 165 five by seven. Yeah, ridiculous. Like Jeez. watercolor uh, yeah. gouache. Oh, so I'm, I interrupt you really quick. For those of you that don't know what the cut short show is um kyle why don't you give a quick description on what all the pieces looked like oh sure so it was uh it's, it's kind of like what you're saying it's the opposite of uh uh eyes without a face it was is basically like from the nose down so like the the eye line was kind of cropped so you would have to look more for either the outfits uh the facial expressions from the nose mm-hmm. down so basically like you were just cutting the image short just a little bit but i i had started with a couple just random edits like that when I went through working on some shows for 88. Uh, and the response was really well because I would do like little mini sets. So there was like a Judd Apatow show. So I did like the the Anchorman crew and they were all next to each other and they kind of worked together when you put them on the wall compositionally and they were all just kind of trimmed there at the top. And I did a couple of those and the response was really well. So Bottleneck reached out to me and they asked if I wanted to do a show, which I immediately said yes to. And they're great guys over there. I really appreciate the opportunity. Uh, and I just worked uh, like crazy on that show. And it was a it was a great first experience to kind of see, you know, which characters were really popular, which ones, you know, weren't as popular. But I had some in there that I really just wanted to do that I thought were going to be fun. But I really just enjoyed the show altogether. They were all uh, traditional pieces. And then we did like a very small run of G. Clay Prince uh, of all of the the pieces in the show as well. What made you want to do over 150 <laughs> for your first show? I mean, that is just ridiculous. That's a huge amount um, to, to commit to and produce. I, I, I really don't know what I was thinking. And the main <laughs> thing was uh, trying to fill walls in the gallery space and making sure that I had enough. And I, I, I probably did way more than I should have. I probably could have cut it in half, but I, I was really just all <laughs> in it and just wanted to do the best show I could possibly do at the time. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it turned out really good. It's a, And again, I really appreciate when people um, try and come up with a unique take on pop culture for these shows. So that was, yeah, that was a really cool um, idea. Uh, but so I want to ask, ask you real quick what, before we, okay, I don't want to move ahead. off of this real quick, but how did you come up with that concept? It's an interesting concept and it's, you know, it's sort of the, the gimmick of that show. Like what made you think to do something like that? pure accident i was going to crop an image and i cropped it too low and i I really just enjoyed how it looked and i was like oh okay maybe i'll just kind of go with this i mean everything kind of uh even with the the trading card show that we'll get to here just kind of happens by accident uh and then i just kept kind of going with it because i liked uh you know the theme and how it was evolving and it was just fun Mm -hmm. for me to work on so what is the, when you're doing something like that, it's a, it's a sort of a set thing. How, what is the challenge then of doing that? Do you have to pick characters that have, uh, you know, sort of identifiable <laughs> costumes? It seems like you're relying more on the costume, obviously, than a caricature in this case. 
Exactly. And trying to see how well people are familiar with certain characters without revealing too much. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that a lot of people kind of gravitated towards with those cut shorts because it wasn't showing everything. Yeah. Because I do do a lot of portraits in my work, Mm -hmm. but just not revealing uh, the entire face and kind of going more for, you know, iconic outfits or gestures or poses that the characters might have been in uh, that are relatable and kind of triggered that memory of that movie that you really enjoyed or that character that you really enjoyed. So two questions on that. Do you one, do you (laughs) do you draw the whole thing uh, when at the pencil sketch stage and like actually finish the head or do you really just draw up to that point? The first let's see, first 30 or 40, I did the whole head. Yeah. And then I would cut it off. And then after that, it got to the point where I just kind of went up to where the nose was. And I was okay, that's all I need. I don't have to go because it was more of like, I'm not going to use it. So I don't have to have the whole thing on there. But right. I started out drawing the entire thing and then cropping it. And yeah. then I got more and more comfortable where I just did just the, yeah. the half. And at what point, at what point can you tell if this thing is going to work within this format? Do you get to a point where you're like, Ooh, I don't think this is as clear as i, I threw a lot away and i have oh, you did. <laughs> a, a huge stack of just ones that were not working properly can you tell us any of those properties <laughs> i'm curious because i deal with this kind of all the time like i, I find that yeah you know, i'm falling back on so many other things other than the face um and it might sound good in my head and then i put it down i'm like yeah that's not reading at all but i was just wondering <laughs> was there a particular property that you remember well i i, I redid them all like they were all actually in the show Oh, okay. uh, but the ones that I did struggle with, I, I did a, a few Tron ones that were, mm. were not reading too well. I did like Tron Legacy uh, and I had like glow in the dark ink on it and it just wasn't working the first few times. So I just had to keep doing it over and over and over again. And I would say the hardest challenge for me on that one was just, you know, making sure that you would get the, the lips and expressions right on all the characters. Mm-hmm. So there would be times where, you know, I would, you know, render it all out and then I would make a last minute mistake and then it just would just be botched and you got to start all over. Yeah. So that one, and then there was a few like Sin City characters that were, weren't working mm-hmm. too well right off the bat that I had to go back and rework. And then, uh, I did a Farva from, uh, super troopers quite a few <laughs> times and it just wasn't reading as yeah. him until I put the, uh, the big gulp in there. And then it finally kind of came together. <laughs> Do you have a favorite one from that specific show from that first show? Uh, I would have to say like a few of the sets, like I had a back to the future set that I really wanted to do that came together. There was a Sarah Marshall, forgetting Sarah Marshall set that I really enjoyed. There's just so many, it's tough to kind of go back. Uh, but I would say more so the sets because they, they, I really enjoyed how they looked as a group compositionally on a wall. And I thought Mm -hmm. it would be a fun way to kind of do something different. I mean, a lot of, especially with all my solo shows, the work is relatively small, that people can place around these, you know, 18 by 24s and 24 by 36s. So I think that's kind of been a fun little niche that I've kind of stuck to, at least for the shows, a little bit smaller to where you can kind of have a little bit more wall space. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I just recently did a a two man show at, at 88 and, uh, Mark Which was help- amazing, by the oh, way. <laughs> thank you very much. Mark helped me a lot with that. But boy, did we learn a lot of lessons uh, from doing that show. <laughs> you know, you get into the hustle and bustle of what's happening and, and suddenly, you know, uh, normal thought goes out the window and you're like, we just got to get this thing there. W- were there things like that that you learned on your first show? Like, maybe I don't spend this much on printing or something like that. Were there any it hard was- lessons you learned? As I said, I had a I had a lot of time. Like I, uh, I'm trying to remember. Like they told me about the show like in September or October, 
and it wasn't until I think the show was in May. I'd have to go back and look at the calendar. Mm-hmm. The show was in the summer, so I had I had a, a pretty good amount of time, and I was just crunching and trying to get as much work done as possible. Uh, but I literally flew to New York with about like 20, 25 pieces still on me that I, <laughs> I wanted to have in the show. And I was working up till the morning that our plane left because yeah. I had already <laughs> shit like multiple, multiple boxes there. And I just wanted these other ones in there. And I just kept cranking them out until the morning that we left. And, and how how did it go that opening night for you? Because they're in New York. I've never actually been to Bottleneck's actual physical space. I've worked with them. And they are, like you said, they're very nice. They're so chill and like do what you want kind of thing but how did it go for you that opening first night were you nervous oh ex- extremely nervous uh and uh my daughter was really young at the time so that was her first like trip and flight and we were oh, in wow. new york with a uh let's see she was barely over one at that point so oh, we were yeah. you know we were out late and <laughs> trying to figure everything out yeah uh and i just wanted to make sure you know everything was going well but i was super nervous i get extremely nervous with, with any sh- with any piece of art, whether it's like a, a print that I'm doing or just a little sketch that I'm debating putting on Instagram or Twitter of, of how it's going to be received, you know, because you put your time and your effort into it. But it was a fun night. I enjoyed it. You know, uh, Joe from Bottleneck and, and uh, everybody there was just so extremely kind and gracious uh, to give me that opportunity because I was fresh onto the scene at that point. And sure. it was a, a daunting task to do. And I would, I would, change a lot of things now that I look back at them, obviously, but the experience as a whole was just uh, amazing and fantastic and kind of led me to, to where I'm at now. So I'm extremely appreciative. And it was it was a fun night just uh, seeing all of the work and all of the cut short pieces that were on the wall and realizing how many I had actually done was uh, yeah. Yeah. Was, it was a good feeling. So are, do you still get nervous for these shows or do you feel a oh, little more confident extremely. with it? <laughs> extremely nervous. This is your third baseball card show or your third sports card show. How can you still be nervous? <laughs> yeah, because, you know, you spend so much time and I'm sure you can relate sure. to it as well. You know, you, you're working on these things and you haven't revealed everything yet. And you, you want to, you hope that people relate to it. And even though I've done a couple mm-hmm. uh, and there is a little bit of a, of a fan base there for the trading cards, you're always, uh, I wouldn't, you know, nervous or skeptical if you made the right choices on putting in some characters or maybe leaving some out. So that's something that I always, you know, debate up until the the end. Have you uh, have you received any particularly negative feedback that kind of stung? <laughs> because I, I think it's always interesting because I think it's obviously it's fantastic work, but it tends to be that crappy comment. The one crappy comment you get that kind of sticks with you. Like, has that oh, happened? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. And and that that's kind of what fueled the fire for, you know, the second and the third and trying to make sure that I can make them just to prove to that one comment. <laughs> yeah. I mean, cause you know, like I was saying before, even back to, you know, the critiques, there's always things that you can improve upon, sure, you know, sure. with each and every one. And you go back and look at things that you might've done, you know, a week ago, you know, two months ago, two years ago, and you're going to see flaws and you're going to see mistakes, but it's the journey of just trying to, you know, get better at what you're doing and enjoying it. And I do enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, but every, you know, you'll get those comments and you, you try to let them just go by. But every once in a while, yeah, it'll sting you. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I think the longer that I do this, the more I find out that it seems to be there's going to be both. And you probably oh, yeah. should every, have every, both, right? Like if you, yes. if you're, if everybody likes it, something's wrong. 
And exactly. if, if everybody hates it, something's wrong. So you're, you're hoping for both. Gotta find that nice balance. Yes. Because of hipster Mickey, like we said before, it's a such a polarizing <laughs> thing, you know, like people love it and people like absolutely hate it. So that yeah, tends to be where love my it negative stuff it. comes from the most. But um, yeah. So anyway, let's uh, let's move to the, the current show. So I wonder if you could. I'll let you, Kyler, tell everybody what this new show is, and it's coming up. It's this week, I believe, right? Yes, this this Friday night, uh, May eighteenth, from seven to nine at Gallery nineteen eighty eight. Uh, it's Trading Cards three. Uh, it's the the third series. Been doing this for the past few years. Uh, I guess I'll do a little bit of a of a backstory of how it all yeah that'd be came great to be. I was just doing another group show at, at eighty eight, mm-hmm. and uh, for this particular one, it was a Tom Hanks show. Oh. And I wanted to do something a little different, you know, because I was working on a portrait for a league of their own. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I didn't just want to do just a straightforward print again. So at the last minute, literally the last minute, I came up with the idea of why don't I just make it the size of a baseball card and actually make it look like a baseball card and then get some top loaders and, and see how it's received. And uh, it was just a, a standard G clay print. And I just did a, a very small run because I didn't think people would gravitate towards it as, as you know, a gallery piece because most people wanted those, you know, 18 by 24 larger format pieces. Sure. And I just, I tried out on a whim just to see how it would go. And they went extremely fast. I think I had, might've been just like 18, less than tw- around 20 on that run. Uh, and they were gone like instantaneously and they didn't even have like any information on the back. It was just a white back on that. That's and amazing. People just kept, asking for it. Are you going to do more? I need more. I need more. And, and I so know, never did make more of limited editions. <laughs> this was the Tom Hanks League of Their Own card. This is the Jimmy Dugan. Jimmy Dugan. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the, the first one that was that was ever made. Uh, and the response was pretty good from that. Yeah. Uh, so then directly after that, I did a Benny the Jet from the Sandlot. That one as well doesn't have a back on it. It was just a, a standard G clay print, just on the the two and a half by three and a half baseball card size. And was this uh, framed? One, did you have each of these framed on the wall when you presented it, or did you leave it sort of loose? <laughs> those were not framed. They were just in a in a top loader, and they kind of presented them that way. I see. Okay. Uh, yeah. I did a companion print that was framed on the wall, mm-hmm. but the baseball card was just in a, in a top loader. But for the show now, they they do have frames, and uh, okay. they're all matted, and they have like the first and second. Uh, in the edition in the frame. That is very cool. How many How many were in the first show, the first and second shows? Uh, 40 for each and 40 for this one as well. Now that you've done, this will be your third round, is it difficult to find pop culture, sport characters to, to pull from? You know, I, when, they, when they approached me to do the third one, I was nervous about it because it is like a small genre mm-hmm. uh, that you can pull from. But as I started, you know, I have, I have a, a list that I've compiled over the years that I have that I've kind of been picking at to make sure I have like the best groupings. And mm-hmm. uh, with this one, it just kind of happened. It one led to another and it evolved for the third one a lot faster and easier than I would say the first and the second. Did. That's interesting. Can you drop yeah. any any names for this one yet? <laughs> <laughs> preview sneak peeks <laughs> sure what, what would you guys like you can take some guesses i can say yay or nay <laughs> <laughs> have you finished uh the entire sandlot lineup it is not done but there is another card so that was and will that character be in this this yes this uh there, this is, show? there is another okay. character so you're, then... t- you're you said though that the 
they're framed now the in these new shows that the each piece is framed on the wall for presentation oh, they there's the the first and the second edition are framed on the wall and then you and have all the packs, other ones right is that yes correct? there's there's packs as well uh, those started last on the last show because uh Jensen Karp, the, the owner of Gallery 1988, is a, a huge baseball card fan, just like I was uh, mm. growing up. So we always talked about, well, how can we take this further? What can we do on the next level? And I had wanted to do packs on the first one. I just didn't have uh, the means and the knowledge at that point to, to get it done. But we did it on the second one, and we had always talked about having like a, like a chase card. So we put, uh, for the second show, it was a, a smaller edition, like cut in half, and it was only available in the packs and then you would get like an assorted run of different cards from the show and then some from the first show that were sold out so that was fun to kind of see how that response was and a lot of people never wanted to open their packs and just like (laughs) keep them keep them sealed but all the all the cards in the packs they they come with five cards uh they're all signed and numbered and then the pack itself is signed um so it that's fun just to kind of have those kind of come together that was that was a, a fun achievement that is such a good idea it's for fantastic. this show. Yeah, yeah. It it brings like the full story, full circle, um, and makes it, it just it, it brings it to another level. It makes it a lot more fun. Um, and hopefully on your end, it in, it is an added incentive for people to buy more packs of your work. Did you say each card is signed? Oh yes, that that is where <laughs> a lot of the time and uh, I can I, imagine. I can, okay, so. Each card has an addition of 90. Okay, okay. so 40 times 90, all signed, <laughs> numbered, and then you have to load them into the, the top loaders. The packs. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. That, that's been my last week and a half straight just <laughs> doing that. And, um, and when you print these cards, are you printing them like they do the uncut No, sheets? they're actually run, th- they're run through a professional baseball card making company. They are. That okay. I, I started awesome. on the first one. So they're actual card stocks and a lot of people have taken them to, to Beckett and they've got them tested and uh, clarified. <laughs> it's all, it's all legit. Integrated. <laughs> yes. Uh, That's so cool. Do you keep uh, an uncut sheet? Uh, they, they don't come in sheets. They, all, they already come cut. Oh, they do. Uh, but okay. I do have one of each card, although I do not own a Jimmy Dugan. Really? <laughs> yes. That is, oh, that is out of my possession. Oh, that's heartbreaking. Um, that was well, cause, because like uh, everybody wanted those when they came out and I had, I think I had three or four artist proofs and the demand was so high and one of the uh, collectors just kept asking and asking and asking and I, I let it go. Wow. Um, but I would, I would much rather the collector have it because every, sure. there's a few there's a few that have the entire complete set from one oh, wow. all the way through. So this, this show goes up to 128. Hmm. So there are some that have the entire complete set. And and I, do you do uh, uh, variations on the same character or do you try not to repeat the, you know, so it might be Jimmy Dugan, but a different pose or a different take. No, there, there are like same actors, of course, that have been in sure. multiple roles, different um, characters though. Yeah. But let's say for one, I'll, I'll give you one that'll be in this show. Last one, I did a Happy Gilmore golf. And then this one, I have a Happy Gilmore hockey. There you go. Oh. That's great. Fantastic. So, so could you do um, like a character from Mighty Ducks 1, 2, and then 3, the same character, <laughs> and have them evolve? <laughs> that, that that was brought up. I, I, I do have, uh, in the last show, I, I did a young Gordon Bombay, and then I had Coach mm-hmm. Bombay. So that's that, the only one that I've done oh, okay. from the Ducks series. But 
Uh, I do have like the the Mighty Ducks one that has a different style card, and then the the D two Mighty Ducks that has a different style. But I've right. never had any crossover, mm. so you're not going to have like a. Well, there are two Adam Banks because I did one that was a hawk and one that was a duck. That would be <laughs> right. the only one I'd say. Is that cake eater? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so how how good are you now at telling? Can you tell? what will sell or what will be popular in demand and what will not? Or, or do you have a sense of that at this point? I wish I did, mm-hmm. honestly. <laughs> uh, for, for this one, I, I, I really just did the ones that, you know, I personally wanted to have, you know, yeah. that I would always think of having a card. Uh, I do find that the more obscure, funny ones yeah. tend to do a little better. The ones that people aren't expecting. Uh, so I have quite a few of those, I would say in this one that I think what might be some surprises that, people wouldn't expect to see on a trading card. So I'm, I'm proud of those. And then you have, you know, you have your go-tos. Everybody's collecting the Sandlot characters and there's some that are collecting all the Mighty Ducks characters. And, you know, you have your Friday night lights characters, but I I do enjoy finding those ones that people weren't expecting. That's, Mm -hmm. that was the fun part for me. Have you, I I don't remember if you've done this character or not. Have you done Shmi from hook as a catcher? (laughs) <laughs> there's there's one for free you can add to your list you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> so let me let me ask you this because this is a it's a great concept and, and it must be a lot of fun for you to do seeing as you have a baseball your baseball card guy and uh and a pop culture guy what is the um what's the exciting part of doing this for you like is there an aspect of is it that initial sketch is it conceptualizing is it the actual final painting like what's the what's the well a little bit of background it's kind of a little bit of everything so they are traditionally drawn like I I do like a eight and a half by eleven sketch Mm -hmm. and then some of those sketches I'm I'm really happy with at that point that I get super excited to color them so what'll happen is I'll scan them in and then I'll color them on an eight by ten format on Photoshop so you know uh, sometimes you'll get really excited just to get it into color yeah Uh, and then if the color's working well you're excited at that point then you have to take it to the to the design the card stage. And making sure, you know, there's a lot of back and forth with whether you should use this font or that font and then mm-hmm. changing the size and scale of this line versus that line and making sure everything's going to read correctly. So it's, it's a little bit of everything. But once you finally see, like, how the, the card gets arranged mm-hmm. and it's done, going through that entire process, I think seeing it finally finished with that goal that you had in mind kind of coming to fruition. Yeah. And every once in a while you have like these happy accidents where things just kind of take you in another direction and it works out even better. But I think for me, it's seeing the card finished and then seeing them all together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I could see that. Uh, so when you're, you're having this show this week, are you already thinking about the next show? <laughs> I, 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 I I do have a list. Yes, you do. Okay. That's fine. Yeah, not, <laughs> not, <laughs> so we should be confirmed. expecting we should be expecting a trading card seven in our lives. Oh, I don't know. I, I don't <laughs> think I'm going to go that far. Um, there are a few that I would like to do that haven't been done yet that I have on the back burner. But I'm just grateful for you know grateful for the opportunity that I've had to even get this far. You know, with the the first show, the way it was received was uh, beyond my wildest expectations. I was uh, not expecting that in the least, and then to have it keep going. Uh, it's been a fun ride and I have enjoyed every, every part of it. Even uh, as we talked about the, the criticisms that you'll get here and there, and it's just pushed me, <laughs> yeah. 
yeah. harder and harder to make them the best they can possibly be. You know, and looking it, looking through your portfolio, though, you do do a lot more than just these sort of headshots of, of pop culture people. I mean, and some different styles and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Do you um, is that something that you intentionally do? Do you have like a couple of styles in your repertoire or are you kind of constantly looking for different ways? The one I'm thinking about in particular is you did a semi Apologies in advance for this. You did a sort of semi terrifying <laughs> Bob's Burgers uh, <laughs> image. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like that oh, was such yeah. an interesting take to do on a, such a stylized character. Like, how did that approach come up? Uh, well, it started. I, I did another art trade uh, with a artist buddy of mine, Brad Hill. He wanted a, a Tina, and mm-hmm. he wanted it stylized. And I just did it on a whim and just kind of played around with. Uh, you know, what I thought that might look like with a pseudo realistic cartoonish approach. <laughs> yeah. And that got a, a pretty good response and people really enjoyed that. So when the, the official Bob's Burger show came around, I tried to do a companion piece and yeah, it, it, it takes you back, but, um, <laughs> I, I like, I like playing around with different styles. I mean, uh, you know, I'm comfortable doing realistic, uh, interpretations, but I do enjoy, pushing and pulling a lot of uh, like the sketches that I'll do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really try to find different approaches and ways. And hopefully that kind of leads to a happy accident that takes me down another path. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I'm on, constantly inspired by the different styles that you'll see on Instagram and Twitter day in and day out. And I just keep trying to push myself to do something new, something different. So obviously when you, when you come off of a show like this, where everything is like super realistic and you want it to look like an actual trading card and you, you spend so much time doing that, it's fun to switch gears and do something completely different. So a lot of the sketches that I've been doing re, uh, recently have been extremely stylized and going in a completely different direction. Yeah. Do you find it hard to do uh, a property that you're not a fan of or that you don't know particularly well, or is it kind of all the same approach? It definitely helps if I'm a fan of it yeah. because I think that that comes through in the artwork. I, I will say in the past I've done shows that I wasn't as familiar with and I've, mm-hmm. I've put pieces together with and I think it's clear whether uh, you have a connection with it or not. So that's something that I've really tried to, to trim back on and really just do things that I have a connection to because I find mm-hmm. that the artwork expresses itself more but everybody has those jobs especially as a freelancer where you might have something that you're not as familiar with or maybe even something that hasn't come out yet but you have to try to find a a way to put your own creative spin on it within their their guidelines sure looking for sure i mean i think that's when i tend to fall back on very on model Uh, i was recently asked to do like a rick and morty piece and i'm like Mm -hmm. i you know that thing is so packed with sort of culty lines and story bits that (laughs) i'm like if I don't know it. I'd feel uncomfortable, you know, taking on the the subject matter. But seeing what you do, and, and a lot of it is sort of portraiture kind of uh, approach. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if that's like, do you feel that when you're drawing a character, if you particularly like that character? Yeah, I, I, I do feel it. And I, I think one of the things that I'm like really trying to get back to is like part of that stylization actually led me to to 88 is it was a heavily stylized version of pop culture characters that they gravitated towards. Mm -hmm. And I kind of did that at the beginning and, you know, some were hidden, some were missed, just kind of trying to find my way through that. And then kind of led to, you know, the realistic interpretations, which I I love doing as well. Uh, But those have been received a little bit better. So it's kind of like half and half, but I Mm -hmm. I definitely enjoy playing around and just seeing what comes next and trying to 
push and pull as much as I can. Is there and a, still get that likeness? Yeah. Is there a dream property that's out there that you'd love to do something in some official capacity? There's there's a lot. I mean, I I'm, I'm a huge movie buff. <laughs> I mean, I, I've done a few Marvel things. I mean, everybody's on on top of that. Uh, it would be fun to do something a little bit in a different style. Back to the Future as well. That just has a huge place in my heart growing up. Uh, so I'm a huge fan of that property as well. But I, just any opportunity, I, I kind of just strive towards. Um, but if there is a connection, uh, I'd say it definitely makes it easier and more fun. Uh-huh. And uh, so you do commissions, is that correct? Yes, I do. So that's kind of in the same vein of when you aren't totally inspired by something or when it's sort of like someone's giving you the concept. When you say you do commissions, what kind of commissions are we talking about? Are they asking you to do character portraits or are they asking you to draw me and my wife and our dog because we're getting married? Kind of thing. <laughs> Fresh out of school, it was the dogs and the portraits. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, It's changed a little bit because people are a little bit more familiar with, with what I do. But a lot of times it's it starts with a back and forth conversation of, of an idea that the client has in their head. And then we kind of go back and forth and I would let them know what my approach would be on the content and what I could do with it and uh, letting them know the size and, and what would work. And then we kind of go back and forth that way. But I always try to find a way to at least put my own creative spin on it mm-hmm. within the same vein of what they're looking for. Yeah. Um, because a lot of times, uh, at least in my experience, if if it's too, too much out of your not necessarily your comfort zone, but if you're not into the project, mm-hmm. I don't think the client's going to be happy with it in the long run. So I think a little bit of that back and forth where uh, the client gets what they want and then uh, you're able to put your own little uh, artistic spin on it. Uh, I think that's the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. And so aside from the commissions, though, what kind of freelance are you doing when you're not doing these pop culture shows? Yeah, so I, I've worked with a, a series of clients. I've done a lot of work with with Sony. I've done quite a few uh, steelbook covers uh, recently. Mm. I, I did the Resident Evil franchise and Inferno. So that's been fun. So I, I do a little of those. And then uh, every once in a while, I'll get some fun official projects uh, through various galleries uh, for films that are coming out and that they might want a piece of artwork for. But that's been keeping me busy. But lately, uh, it's it's all been, let's see, I started Trading Cards 3, uh, started working on it in late October. Okay. So it's 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 been pretty consuming. So when uh, during the semester that's pretty much the workload that I can take on. Yeah. Uh, I might be able to take on a few projects here and there. Uh, but with, you know, six classes, yeah. uh, and then squeezing that in, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty tight right there. Yeah. Time-wise. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. <laughs> if somebody wanted to, um, get a commission from you, how would they go about doing that? Oh, they usually just email me at Kyler at kylersmith.com. Uh, I let them know my availability, uh, a lot of them are already aware, like, you know, when the, when the show is up that I'm a lot more free and open when that time <laughs> comes. So I'm, I'm excited to do some, you know, some different things. I, I love working on uh, the cards, but as soon as the show is done, it, it's fun just to, to change it up. So, I mean, I've just been sketching like crazy every night, just coming up with, with different ideas and, and, and styles and things that I might want to play with in the future. Um, so that's been fun. Do those commissions ever go south? Because <laughs> I always think whenever <laughs> you know, I whenever I agree to do something like that, it always turns into like the most prolonged, <laughs> comment filled, a million emails later kind of thing. But have you have you been fortunate in with those assignments? I I, I have been. Uh, I haven't really had anything that's been too terribly bad. That's uh, good. You know, a few a few little revisions, uh, you know, here and there that that I'll work through, but. Uh, <laughs> 
nothing nothing too bad. I, I, I do like the ones where you have a little bit of communication. You can express what you want to do as an artist. I find sometimes with commissions, if it's like a group commission, sometimes it's too geared towards mm. everybody's vision. And if you have 30 different people's visions, it's right. tough to please everybody. But I right. think the, the one-on-one commissions with a client is, is definitely a lot more feasible. Yeah, that would make sense. And then one last question that's off topic, unless Mark, you had something before I move off of this topic. Let's, let's hear what you got. <laughs> well, I'm getting the sense that you're sort of a collector, whether that's baseball cards or, or something else. Is there, do you still collect baseball cards or something that you collect now? I know it's difficult once you're married and you have kids and all these <laughs> other things going on to justify some of the spending, but are you still a collector? I, I, don't, I don't collect, I don't collect baseball cards anymore. That was something I did, uh, you know, from like 10 to, you know, maybe 15 with my dad Mm -hmm. that I really, really enjoyed. And it was just fun trying to get those cards that were really hard to find. And, you know, getting some signed by the athletes was great. And then, you know, when I, when I got into school, I I had like a huge, huge movie collection. So my DVD collection and Blu-ray collection was just insane. And then now it's kind of shifted more towards, you know, the art prints. And I, I do enjoy collecting art from, fellow artists that I really admire yeah. and, you know, being able to do like these fun trades and, and, you know, getting to talk to these amazing artists and just be a part of that world is really fun. So recently it has been more of just kind of collecting from people that I really admire. How do you, how do you go about uh, collecting art prints? We always talk about collecting on here and, and art prints in particular, and that, you know, eventually you have more uh, art prints and you have wall space. Uh, do, you, yes. do you just buy the stuff that you like when you like it? Do you tend to focus uh, your collection or anything like that? I, I focus a little bit more. I mean, I would always, when I started out, I bought a little bit more than, than I should have. <laughs> uh, but what I what I really enjoy now is uh, is doing the trades and then just asking uh, an artist to do something that they really like, and then if they want me to do something that they really enjoy, then we just kind of we switch, and that's something that is really cool because it's a a lot of times it's a one of one, uh, or it's a maybe it's a rare print that they might not have anymore, but it's just a way that you can kind of grow a collection that's unique that maybe not everybody else would have. Yeah. So yeah, like original right. original sketches and you know just fun things like that. That's kind of where I've really been uh, collecting as of late. That's very cool. Are uh, how aware are your students of what you do when you're not teaching? Uh, I would say Mark is probably <laughs> the only one. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> not I, after I, this. <laughs> Mark Mark will tell you I don't really talk about it. You know I might do a little bit of my background and say that I'm a freelance illustrator and do some gallery work during my brief introduction on the first day of class. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, there'll be a few that might Google me or, or I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> it, it's very rare. Uh, a lot of times they, they don't really look up the teacher, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, if they, if they have questions about it, like, you know, like Mark was saying, like, I, I'm more than happy to talk about it. And we got onto a pretty good, uh, conversation there way after yeah. class was done, just talking about our, <laughs> our artists that we like, and it just kind of stems from there. So, and then you get that connection. And then when you just go through the rest of the class, you can kind of gear the student towards what they're interested in. And that was great. <laughs> That's great. I, so I do want to ask one thing going, jumping back to the trading cards really quick. Um, I've seen in your stories and kind of miscellaneous posts that you have a number of your, your cards that have been signed by the actors. Is this something that you're actively pursuing to get? That's awesome. Or is this, is this something it, it that like happened, your fans have been doing? It all happened by accident. Like a first, the first few, the actual talent contacted me 
and then I was able to to get some some signatures there. Uh, it was never something that I, I sought out to do, but it has become a little bit addictive. And I, I do have a few collectors that that do help me out uh, in terms of getting those. And the one thing that I that I enjoy doing is uh, uh, quite a few of the collectors. I give them extra cards so that they will give them to the talent, so they'll actually yeah. have one to keep. And that's something that I never thought would ever happen at all. But it it's been fun, and I, I hope to get more. Uh, it would be really fun to have all of them in a frame someday. Yeah, yeah. it's a cool little um, almost side project for you as a result of this show. Yeah, I don't I don't cater the cards to that, but it, it would definitely be fun <laughs> to kind of see some of the ones that I've done. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, get signed. Yeah, you're you're very much in the celebrity note. You uh, your very first Instagram post, I believe, is of you and Seth Rogen. So that sets the that's a great way to. <laughs> oh, start. that's like way down the chain. Yeah, yeah. I, didn't I had that. Uh, yeah, that just happened at uh, at the Judd Apatow show. Mm-hmm. Uh, just on a, on a whim, he was there uh, and kind enough. He he had picked up the, one of the first cut shorts of the Super Bad set. That's awesome. Was he a nice guy? Was he stoned? He was. And the trademark <laughs> laugh was there. Yeah. Uh, it was it was it was a great night. Uh, so you're like, yeah, that was one of the ones like he showed up and like Martin Starr was there and then uh Judd Apatow was there. Uh it was it was uh that was a fun night for sure. Yeah. You got a lot of celebrities in your in your thing. That gallery eighty eight's keeping you busy with the celebrities, it looks like. <laughs> well, a lot of them uh do frequent the gallery and they're, they're mm-hmm. fans of it. And then just the way that it works with uh, social media now that they'll, they'll usually like DM me and just yeah. be like, Hey, how can I, how can I get some cards or uh, what's the best way to, to get in contact with you? And it, they've just been super nice. And just even getting to meet a few of them has been uh, just a great experience. That's awesome. So I, I want to make sure we talk about that show uh, one more time before we finish up. Uh, what is going to be available at the show this week? So there's like originals and the card packs. I wonder if you can go through what's what people can get uh, this weekend. Sure. Uh, well, I do have originals, but they're not in the gallery show. I have a, uh, okay. a fan group that I usually give first dibs to uh, wow. the original sketches that have that have been kind of there the whole time mm-hmm. uh so there's like a lottery process that goes through with that and then the the ones that are left over i usually put up on my on my site but at the at the gallery show 40 more cards there is one chase card that is a little bit more rare but i've done it a little differently this year uh to where that chase card is included in all the packs not just some of them but every hmm. pack that you would get is going to have that one particular chase card you won't be able to buy it individually but it's guaranteed in the packs. And then uh, there are also complete sets as well. There's 10 complete sets that are always reserved that have the same number on the back. Mm. Um, oh, that's really cool. So the, the special card is in there as well. So a lot of times, like the special cards, uh, I do like on like big numbers. Like the last one was on 50, uh, and that was an Airbud one. And this one's on 100. Uh, and that'll be the the chase card for this year. Cool. And then, like oh. most of the Gallery eighty eight shows, everything that's left, if there is such a thing, goes. Is that going to be available online the next day? Oh yes, it's it's online the next day on Saturday. Gallery nineteen eighty eight dot com. Uh, the good thing is, is because there are you know ninety in the edition. Uh, it's very rare that that things will sell out the night of. A lot okay. of the frames might go because those are the first and second of the edition. But most, I would say, most of it would would still be available for sure on okay. on Saturday, uh, as far as cards go. But they some go faster than others for sure, and it's it's kind of fun to see which ones gravitate people yeah. gravitate towards. Yeah, 
some some are uh, surprising to me, uh, but it is fun to kind of see which ones uh, everybody relates to and gets and excited about. You'll be there at the gallery for this. I will. I will be there at the opening. Great. 7 to 9 awesome. p.m. So, a wonderful time to try to drive down to Malrose in Los Angeles. <laughs> yes. So that is, if you're listening to this on the Thursday or op- the first day that this uh, episode is available, um, <laughs> his show is May 18th. That's a Friday. Um, and it'll be going up through um, what day, Kyler? Ooh, I have to, to check on that one. It's about three weeks. I don't have the, the show. So we'll put that up in our show notes. Um, and if you aren't already following Kyler, we'll have links to all of his work and how you can give him a follow. But before we sign off here, Kyler, is there anything else that you want to plug or say to our listeners? <laughs> uh, just thank you for the time. It's been great to, uh, to chat with you guys and uh, just kind of talk about art. That's the main thing. Yeah, thank you so awesome. much for coming on. Yes. Uh, we really do appreciate your time. We are—I know—we're both fans of your work, and I'm excited to see the the new additions to your trading card series um, this weekend. Thank you very much, and I'm going to hook you guys up. I'm going to try to get some art trades off both of you. <laughs> oh, let's do it. Um, yeah. So again, if you aren't already following Kyler, we'll leave links to how you can get in touch with him in our show notes. Um, but that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you later. Was he stoned?